Hello, and welcome to our weekly podcast of Who's Here in the Hamptons. I'm Dan Retainer, and I am broadcasting from here in the Hamptons, a place I have lived for over 50 years. I've written 12 books about this place, and I've seen it grow through the years from small fishing villages to what it is today, a summer paradise for New Yorkers, artists, writers, musicians, movie stars, we have it all. In my podcast, I will bring you interviews with the Hamptons' powerful people, but I will also introduce you to residents who contributed to our growth through the years, and you may not even have heard about them. My guest this morning on the podcast is Father Alex Carlutzis, who is, we know him here in Southampton as the pastor of the Greek Orthodox Church of the Hamptons uh, in Southampton. The interesting thing about him, and um, I want to welcome you to the show, Father Alex, is that in his role elsewhere as part of his connection with the Archdiocese of New York, he's managed to uh, meeting with the presidents of the United States annually, and and more so, going all the way back to uh, Jimmy Carter, I think it was. Yes. Explain a bit, if you would, uh, why that is and how that came about. Well, what occurred is I came to New York in 1974. I was at the uh, metropolis of Chicago at the time. I came in as a director of youth ministry. And Archbishop Iacobus, you might know his name because he was the one that marched at Selma with Martin Luther King Jr., and appeared on the front cover of Life magazine. The Archbishop asked me to come in as the director of youth ministry nationally. And as I was serving locally here in New York, I would run into Cardinal Cook and then uh, Mayor uh, Ed Koch and different things like that. And the Archbishop felt I could open up some political doors as well. And he made me the director of public affairs about 1978, it was, well, 77, 78, right after Jimmy Carter became president in 76. And uh, he asked me to start uh, developing a relationship with the White House, which I did. Now, was this nationally? Were you in a national position or was this the New York City, the New York? Well, the New York City, I came in as the director of youth ministry nationally. Uh, but then that developed into the public affairs position I was re- referring to. I see. And then I became the representative of the Archbishop to the White House and developed my relationship with the Congress as well. And that was a national uh, position. I was a young man at the time, and I was very blessed to uh, be taken under the uh, wing of Archbishop Iacobus, who was a great civil rights uh, leader and champion for religious freedom and human rights. Now you and that's were, why he was honored with the Presidential Medal of Freedom by Jimmy Carter in 1979. Now, uh, you were representing the uh, Greek Orthodox Church along with the uh, other uh, ministers and rabbis in, in, the, in America. Is that, was that the... Uh, Yes, what happens is that the religious community always has representation to the White House, the public liaison office, you know, they're constantly going in and out of that. And then you would have contacts with the Secretary of State. But what happened with me, I can tell you the story about Jimmy Carter. 
it was my first visit there. And uh, rather than running up to Jimmy Carter in order to get his attention, like a lot of people normally would do, uh, they would go and say, you know, I'm Father Alex or something or Father George or Sister Maria. Well, I never did that. What I did is that I, when I went into the door, I thanked the doorman. When I went into the secretary, the area where you're greeted, I greeted the secretary. And then I did, I, I went to the lowest aid and then I worked my way up and I just thanked everybody for the service that they offer the country because they're fellow Americans and they're offering service. So then what occurred is that after the meetings concluded, uh, the uh, president would sit down and uh, they'd talk about the different people that they met. And I was always the one who would always go to the gardener and say hello. And it was that kind of personal relationship that allowed me to get more personal with the presidents. It was kind of funny, but it was a natural thing to do when you're, I think, a, a priest or a public servant or a human being. I think gratitude should always be our attitude, no matter we're at the White House or whether in the church or talking to dance papers. I think we got to be grateful for the people that God has placed in our lives. And I think I try to do that uh, at the White House. So I became more of a, a friend than I was just simply a religious leader. Tell us a little bit about the uh, structure that you got involved with building for uh, Camp David. Well, what happened in uh, 1986, it was 1986, I believe, we were approached by, there was a Methodist bishop named James Matthews who asked uh, Archbishop Iacobus uh, to participate in a fundraising program to build a chapel at Camp David. Ronald Reagan, uh, the president, uh, said we could not spend any money, public money, for a, an interdenominational chapel, but he would give, he would assign a piece of land there at Camp David. There was a man in construction who was a Methodist, and he went to the president because normally the, you know, it's a naval base, and so they would always gather in the bowling alley. And he went to the president and the president said, surely, well, uh, but you can, we got to do it with, uh, uh, it cannot be a government funds, separation of church and state. So Bishop Matthews reached out to Cardinal Hickey at the time, was the Cardinal of Washington. Rabbi James Rudin represented the American Jewish Committee, who was a friend of mine, myself and then Bishop Matthews. So we were asked to go up to Camp David and uh, I, uh, when they told us that you would also be able to have naming rights at uh, Camp David, I said to myself, well, I think I could do it. So I raised my hand and I committed $300,000. Each of us were committed to the $300,000, it'd been million two hundred thousand. And uh, we basically uh, did that. I, the, the bell tower, for example, does named after Archbishop Iacobos, whom I mentioned, John and Margot Katsimatidis, whom you know also were with me at Camp David. That was their first time. Then later they went up there with Bill Clinton because they were very close friends. So uh, we built the chapel during Reagan's administration, but it was President 
George Herbert Walker Bush, who uh, received the uh, uh, the church, the chapel, and was he was there, the president at the dedication. And if would you mind if I tell you a story that he told us that day? Sure. So he was crying. He got very emotional that he was uh, receiving this. He was a man of great faith. His family uh, was there. A lot of my close friends, uh, Tim McBride and Patty Presock, uh, who were close advisors to the president. But he told us a story of Yuri Andropov. And he was saying that when he went to the funeral as vice president, Andropov's widow was there looking at her husband who was in the middle of this, uh, in the Kremlin, in the state hall, and all the generals who were atheists and outside all the armies that were atheists and all the tanks and all the uh, planes and all the power, the might, the glory of the Kremlin, the power of Russia, the second most powerful nation in the world and this widow's in black. And he's sitting there and looking at her and watching her. And then all of a sudden, out of no reason at all, the woman gets up and goes over to see her husband, who's an atheist, an avowed atheist, who destroyed churches, killed priests, the head of the KGB before he became uh, the secretary general. And she bows down and kisses him and over him does the sign of the Orthodox cross and oh. then goes to sit down. And I'll never get over because I'm Orthodox, of course. And we have many uh, Russian, Ukrainian, Bulgarian, Serbians, all those are part of the Iron Curtain, are members of our parish, Romanians. So I, I always remember him telling that story. And I said, my God, can you imagine the power of just that woman? They were trying to wipe out the Christian faith from these Russian lands. And yet at the highest end of power, it was the same thing. Gorbachev, by the way, told me that uh, later on when I got to know Gorbachev, that uh, his uh, his parents secretly baptized his, grand his daughter. <laughs> so it's an amazing thing when you're dealing with that, that communist world. People still maintain their Christian faith. Which of the presidents did you like the most? I'd have to say I liked the most. And I had a close personal relationship with was uh, George Herbert Walker Bush. He was one of the most honorable men I had ever met in my life, a humble man, a great hero. He respected this country. You saw the way in the transition of power. Uh, he was very pained by it. He couldn't believe that somebody who had not served in the military, someone who had some marital discretions, uh, would have been chosen president. But it happened, and uh, he turned over the uh, reign of government to him. And then he became the best friends, as you know, with Bill Clinton. But uh, George Herbert Walker Bush, the most amiable, the one who really knew how to disarm you was uh, Ronald Reagan. The man was just simply amazing with every word. He just welcomed you and made you feel like he's known you for the rest, uh, for all of your life. It was it was a real gift he had. Tell tell us how you came out to become the pastor here at the church in Southampton. Well, I have if you it's I'm gonna have to answer you honestly, and you're gonna say, why do you mean honestly? Well, I was at the archdiocese and I was not happy with the new archbishop that came in at the time because I felt that he was uh somehow dividing the church in America. 
And so I asked to be uh, assigned to a parish because Archbishop Iaka was retired. It was a new archbishop who stayed only for two, three years, by the way. So uh, my wife said to me, and this is the truth. She says, don't take a big cathedral they're going to give you. I want you to take the church in the Hamptons. Now, the church in the Hamptons, uh, they, uh, they could not afford a priest. They changed priests every two, three years or once, you know, one guy stayed for a year. They uh, did not, uh, there was not a priest here for a year, permanent priest. And I said, well, why would I go to the Hamptons? And she said, because now you're 52, 53 years old, your children are going to get married. They're going to have children. And if you're going to, uh, if you want your children to visit you for vacation, you better move from Pelham Manor, Westchester to the Hamptons, because that will be their vacation destination. And you'll see your grandchildren. My wife is right. I got nine grandchildren and they visit us all the time and I love it. And it's paradise. So I always listen to my wife. That's what I tell my Catholic priest friends. You got to have a good wife. I was blessed. Now you, I think I read somewhere that in the Greek Orthodox Church, you can get married, but only once. Is that correct? Yes. And uh, that's a blessing for me because uh, I, I made my choice correctly or my wife made her choice wisely. And we've been together now for 50 years. And we've been in the Hamptons, actually. Uh, we have, This is our 22nd uh, year uh, serving our church here. And we're very honored and blessed. Uh, to be here. It's a, it's a great parish, wonderful people. And we're not simply Greek Orthodox. We speak 36, we have 36 ethnicities in our parish. Wow. Ethnically, yeah. How many are in the parish here? Uh, well, if you include our stewards, we have 300 stewards, families. But if you include when the in and out, in other words, the summer uh, people, the seasonal people, <laughs> right now it's a little bit more permanent. Uh, we would go up to about 500 families at least. And then we try to administer to uh, the greater Orthodox community, which is, you know, you have a lot of Romanians, Bulgarians, Serbians, Ukrainians, Russians, Belarus, Azerbaijanis, who are some Orthodox. And we're also increasing our Spanish outreach ministry because we have many converts uh, that have come in from uh, Costa Rica, uh, Mexico, Ecuador. Peru, and we just did a baptism of somebody from Peru just the other day. Now, I just wanted to make it uh, clear to the listeners, the Archdiocese of New York is uh, the also the Archdiocese, I guess, of the whole country and the other Archdi the other prelates, is that how it works? Yeah, the Archdiocese of New York, uh, that's the headquarters for our Archdiocese of America. However, he is the presiding officer of a group of other metropolitans or bishops that are in different places in America. Another eight metropolises or dioceses uh, is under the archbishop. And uh, I work specifically for the archbishop. I'm also the priest responsible for the rebuilding of St. Nicholas at the World Trade Center at Ground Zero, the only house of worship that was destroyed on September 11, 2001. I also happened to be a Port Authority police chaplain, and I was called in on September the 11th, 2001, 
on the evening of the uh, that dastardly attack uh, by uh, the fundamentalist uh, political Islamists. And uh, we were called into the tech center to try to give some comfort and support to our port authority. We lost 37 policemen that day. Talk about how your father got sold for $500. Oh, you remember that story? I do. <laughs> did, I, did I tell you that when we were at the uh, Bobby Vance? Anyway, my father was born in the United States. But when he was uh, born, his mother died. And his last name was Nikolaidis at birth. His father was a young man. He had two other children. So the father decided to go to Istanbul, to Constantinople, to remarry. That's where his family came from. And when he left, my dad's paternal mother, in other words, my grandfather's mother, felt that it would be too much for him to raise another baby by himself or with a, a stepmother. So this was while... In this was in Massachusetts, yes? In Springfield, Massachusetts. And while uh, the father was gone, uh, trying to recreate a life for himself, she sold my father to the Carluzis family, to a woman who was barren, who could not have children. And she uh, basically raised my father. And when they went after to get my father back, she left for Greece and raised my father in Greece. And that's where I was born with my siblings. And then when my mother died, my mother died when I was nine years old. This woman who was barren had to come back and raise six children <laughs> by herself with my father because my mother died. And uh, so this woman had the blessing and the curse of raising uh, me and my siblings. How did the $500 come in? Well, what happened is, is that uh, at those days, I don't know if you're familiar, the, my grandmother heard that this child was up for adoption. And then uh, at, in those days, in the, in the 20s, uh, they said, well, how much will you give? She said 500. That's how she got him. So it turned out that he was an American citizen. Then. He yes, he was an American citizen. So right after World War II, my dad found out in a conversation that he was an adopted child. He asked, what do you mean I'm adopted? He asked his mother. He didn't know it at that time. And she said, I adopted you. You were born in uh, Springfield. And then that gave my dad the opportunity to apply for American citizenship, which was his birthright. And then that's how we ended up into America. And God bless America, this great country uh, brought us here. And uh, we've been very blessed. There's no place like America. I know that we're going through a great deal of pain politically, but the promise of America is more important than the politics of America. And if we look for the promise of America, then the politicians and the politics should be settled down. So it's the promise that allowed us to become what we became. So um, when, when you came out here that you embarked, this was 20 years ago, 18 years 22, ago? 22, 1998. 
and and uh, at that time they were in a small church on the same property where the large church is now. So you were very involved in the uh, the building of the new church. Is that correct? Yes, uh, I was very fortunate. Like I said, my wife is the hardest worker in our parish. Even my son-in-law, who is the uh, co-pastor with me, Father Constantine, would agree. So my wife, uh, I told them, this is a true story. I went to the first parish council meeting and uh, they had two problems. One, the festival they were trying to put on. And secondly, the, uh, the boiler was broken and no one had stepped forward to pay for the boiler. And so they asked me for my comments at the end of their parish council meeting. And I said two things. One, with my wife, you're gonna have the hardest working uh, person. You'll have the most successful festival on Long Island because my wife has always wanted to be a priest's wife in a parish. Secondly, I says, I want you to understand something. Philanthropy is a Greek word, but it's a Jewish art. So I called up and I says, I'm going to call up one of my Jewish friends. And he's going to take care of the of the boiler. I called up my friend, Michael. He took care of the boiler. <laughs> so I'm trying to get them to understand that to give is a joy. And I believe in uh, uh, I really admire my brothers in the Jewish and sisters in the Jewish faith because uh, they've always of doing uh, a mitzvah, doing a good thing, a good deed uh, is very important. And it's. It caught up with our church because our church, we built a $23 million facility here. And I'm very honored and we keep it open to the entire community. Uh, we do not keep it within the Greek Orthodox community. As you well know from our Blue Dream, we've given away a million four hundred thousand dollars uh, in the past eight years. And we've had very blessed, you know, we did it for the hospital. We raised two hundred thousand dollars. Uh, for the hospital that evening. We did it for the Bo Biden Foundation where the vice president visited us. We gave 200,000 then. And we've done it for the Nature Conservancy, the Southampton Town Police. So our church is very much committed to the Hamptons, to the East End. We're very grateful for being here. We wanna be creative, committed, fellow citizens of this wonderful community. And by the way, Dan's papers, has always been one of the joys of our presence out here. And so we thank you for that. I think um, Vicki Schnapps asked you to write a column for us from time to time. Yes, and it's uh, my, my, my son-in-law, Father Constantine, will be doing the columns. It'll be done bi-weekly. And he's working with the rabbi in East Hampton, which I think is great. You have Southampton and East Hampton. I think that Vicki was brilliant in uh, bringing this about. I think it's called the soul of the Hamptons yes. or Hampton soul. And I just love it. Yep. And you and I go back a ways too. No, we do. I, you were one of my uh, very uh, first uh, friends when I came out here. In fact, I was humbled. You made me a personality out here with my, my community. You did You did a person. Uh, I don't know what you call it. Something in, you did used to do a column and you'd introduce people from the Hamptons out here. And I, I was probably the first Greek Orthodox priest ever and probably the first Greek ever, but it was very kind of you then. And uh, it was, uh, and then we spent many times having lunch and dinner together. I, I think that's all we have time for uh, today. And I really appreciate your time and uh, coming Father Alex to this podcast and uh, 
look forward to uh, your column every other week in our paper. And thank you very much for being here. Thank you, my friend. And very grateful to you. God bless. Thank you. Bye-bye.